This is the Speaker for the Living podcast, exploring the depths of human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. Hello and welcome to Speaker for the Living. My name is Seth Dare. I am here with JJ Genflone. Hello, JJ. Hey, everybody. Hope you're doing well. All right, and so this week, Seth and I are going to be discussing the recent presentation done um, by Ashton Kutcher to the U.S. Senate on the issues of actually human trafficking. And Ashton Kutcher, I think, is best known for being an actor, but what is more interesting, I think, to Seth and I is that he is also the co-founder, along with Demi Moore, famous actress, called Thorn, T-H-O-R-N, and we'll put the link to their website down below as we always do and what's interesting about thorn is and they have a beautiful sort of chair um and sort of pro bono partners but what thor does sort of widely is it works on the issues primarily right now of sex trafficking particularly sex trafficking in minors and Thorne's focus is to partner across the tech industry with governments and NGOs to leverage technology to combat the sort of sex trafficking of children globally. Now, Seth and I have talked a lot about sort of this issue of the hyper-focusing of funds and attention to child sex trafficking, largely by governments and then by certain NGOs, just because child sex trafficking one, it's a little bit easier to spot, and then two, it's, it's far easier to prosecute and charge than, say, adult sex trafficking or, more broadly, labor trafficking as a whole. But what I think is really interesting about Thorn is that here you see a child sex trafficking organization that is now, um, based on these comments that were made by Mr. Kutcher, going to be branching out into looking into child labor, so labor trafficking as well. Well, and since we're on the topic of Thorn, I have looked at the basics of them. Some of their services, they've collaborated with Polaris to create the Be Free texting short code, which is 233733. If you've listened to the program, we have mentioned that before when we talked about Polaris and their hotline. And so that is something that Thorn was involved in. They put up intercept ads for people who are searching for child sex trafficking to try t to get them to sites that talk about treatment or, or other options. They have a sound practices guide for small and medium businesses about child safety procedures and tools. Their core application is called Spotlight. And according to Thorne reports, the reports show that they are identifying an average five kids a day and that law enforcement using Spotlight are seeing a 60% time savings in their process. Ashton isn't very clear about what it does because if he says too much about it, then people can try to get around it, which is mm -hmm. understandable. But what they have said is it, streams, it streamlines flows of workflow so that they can decide what's the most important prospect issues. It analyzes a lot of online data to do that. So that's what I can tell you about Spotlight. Recently, they have released an application called Solus, which works on the dark web, which no 
even less about, but that's one of their new initiatives. And lastly, Project Vic, along with the industry hashing sharing platform. And this all centers around hashing. When you encrypt data, it has a certain hash, which determines how it's encrypted. Mm -hmm. uh, there are different specifications for that, such as MD5 and SHA-1. And my understanding is it has a way of saying this image would look encrypted this way. And then they have a way of sharing that amongst other agencies so that when they're searching through a lot of encrypted data that they could potentially know which of those might be photos that fit a certain criteria. So like if it's the same child. So that's my best explanation of that. These are tools and we do need tools uh, as Ashton mentions in this presentation and we'll go into more specifics. He remembers when certain law enforcement people would be going into chat rooms and trying to figure out who to talk to and trying to build relationships, etc. And this is a more analytical approach. And this is part of the, the irony here is even though child sex trafficking is easier to identify than labor trafficking, that does not mean it's easy to identify. Yes. To make that very clear, that these type of tools are important and necessary because there are far too many child victims out there, period. And so we are very thankful that Thorn exists. In particular, what I think is really great about Thorn is that this is one of the first sort of major organizations that we've seen that is focusing on the tech sector and in particular focusing on the use of the internet both as a tool of human trafficking and a tool to end human trafficking. We see a lot of organizations that incorporate technology into, into a part of their sort of researcher, their sort of daily task, but we don't see a lot of it where it is the main focus. And increasingly, as we've talked about quite often, most of these trafficking sort of situations are playing out in a broader technological field. So while a trafficker, your first contact might still be someone you know, or someone at least known in your local community that you trust, their broader network is someone who they're communicating with generally through the internet or online. Also, what's encouraging is listening to him talk more about metrics and key performance indicators so that when his organization says that they've rescued 6,000 trafficking victims, there's a high chance they have a methodology behind that. We don't know what that methodology is, and that would be one of the things we'd like to ask Thorne and Ashton. Like, how do you determine these numbers? How do you identify a sex trafficking victim? But we're glad that he's promoting methodology and metrics. Coming from the Human Trafficking Center, that's pretty much what we heard every week. Methodology, methodology, <laughs> sound methodology, know how you're getting the data, make sure it's a good sample set over and over and over again. So we really value that. One of the things, too, that I would like, I would encourage all of our listeners to check into on the Thorn website is, this, this, is their partnerships section. 
because again, I think largely due to the funding that Thorne has and the profile probably of the people on his board, Thorne has been able to build up huge partnerships with some really fundamental organizations like Amazon, like Google, that I think now as they sort of pivot to, at least I hope, covering labor trafficking as well, these are companies that if they also got involved in terms of supply chain tracking could really have a massive impact on the field as a whole. So now I'll start from the beginning with a few different parts. First of all, I watched the entire hour and 48 minute presentation. So senators Bob Corker, Bob Cardin, Bob Menendez, Marco Rubio, Chris Coons, and John McCain all spoke out against human trafficking and shared. And I would just like to thank all of you for your efforts. It's really encouraging to not only have the the Senate Foreign Relations Committee meet this early in the administration and prioritize this issue, but it's really great to hear you all talk about it, hear that you're knowledgeable and that you're trying to be more knowledgeable. And we just really thank you. Yeah, and it's... It's very affirming and very comforting to know that there are people out there who are putting their money along with their passion and then that are researching and have rationale behind all of their rhetoric. Because normally we get a lot of sort of puff statements that don't actually go anywhere. So I have four clips. I'm going to start with one from Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland. And that is... There are many reasons I was concerned about the president's executive order on immigration and refugees. But one of the reasons is the impact it has on victims of trafficking. I'm not clear whether those who had T visas would in fact still be, who are victims of trafficking, could have come into this country under that ban. I know that many of the refugees from, from Syria are are potential victims, are our victims of trafficking that we are that our refugee program has a major impact. We know that the Rohingya population of Burma uh, were subject to trafficking. Many were allowed to come to the United States that were put on hold as a result, were put on hold as a result of the president's executive order. So I just urge us that as we look at our priorities for protecting those who are victims, that we recognize that we in our zeal to protect our nation on things like this executive order has an impact on protecting people from the scourge of trafficking in modern day slavery. We really appreciate him drawing the line between immigration and refugee policy and the suspension ban of uh, visas and the refugee program, and that he recognizes that refugees from Syria are victims and potential victims of trafficking. Thank you for that recognition. Any other comments on that, JJ? One of my sort of favorite things here is that the acknowledgement of refugee programs and human trafficking, just sort of the connection of the two. It's nice to hear someone officially say that. Earlier that day, Cardin had said, when you stand up for human rights, you are standing up for what makes America the great nation it is. Thank you. So we'll move on to two different comments by Ashton. He did talk about experiences trying to address child sex trafficking in that process. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. going to quote 
two of his later points because we're glad that he brought them up and to see that he has a broader view of this than just child sex trafficking. So I'm going to start with what I believe is his third point. The outbound pipeline. There's just not enough beds. The bottom line is, once people, once someone is exposed to this level of abuse, it's a mental health issue. And there aren't enough beds, there's not enough support, and we have to have the resources on the other side. Otherwise, the recidivism, the recidivism rates are through the roof. It's, it, it's astonishing, because when Maslow's hierarchy and needs are not being met, people resort to survival, and if this is their means of survival, and the only source of love that they have in their life, that's what they go for. So we have to address the pipeline out, and we have to create support systems on the other end. It's not an entitlement. It's a demand to end slavery. So comments, JJ? One of the things that I think is most important here is this acknowledgement of there's just not enough beds. I think this goes into exactly what you and I had talked about in our last podcast, mm-hmm. which is that trafficking doesn't end after the rescue trafficking is both a physical and a psychological it's a physical and psychological violence done to another human being and so it takes time for a person to heal from that violence and then when you add in this the fact that a lot of these people are then deeply subjugated or deeply hurt in terms of their economic ability so they've been working these ridiculous hours and they've been hurt um physically or emotionally but they haven't been paid either. And so now for, in terms of their reintegration, how is that supposed to happen? If you have no financial background or you're already from an impoverished area or you have, have not had access to education either before or during the situation. So like, how do you reintegrate just in the practical matters of you have a gap in your resume, finding a job, finding housing, getting through day-to-day life, and then on top of that, pursuing the broader sort of issues that you have, which is getting adequate medical care and services. And so what we see are people who end up in jail because jail is the only place where they can get some services, as we referenced in our last podcast. Or we end up with people who get out of this incredibly vulnerable situation and are left even more vulnerable to be re-traumatized. So I think that this acknowledgement from someone who runs an organization and from someone that has a high profile is incredibly important that it might not be the sexy thing to fund aftercare services, but that really that's what's going to make the biggest difference in someone's life. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) Aftercare is one of my little, my little pet projects that really bothers me because it's, We've rescued you, but as actually I think we talked about in our Monica Peterson podcast where we discussed her GAD analysis of human trafficking, it's, well, what are we saving these people to? It it can be, it makes us feel better as people, right? To feel like we're saving other human beings. We're getting them out of the situation, but we're still being selfish if we don't recognize that people need treatment after the fact. It's emotionally traumatic, And it may be physically traumatic as well. And the ordeals that some trafficked people have to deal with where they might not have the food they need, they might not have the rest they need, and plus the fact that your emotional state affects your physical state, that Mm -hmm. you're coming out 
often traumatized. And that's a challenge to even talk about because on one hand, we want to recognize that people have agency even when they're being controlled, that they're still making the best choices they think they can make to keep going and survive and not be beaten or not otherwise be abused. But that also takes a toll. And so lots of people need spaces where they can recover. And if any of you have ever experienced trauma, whether physical or emotional or otherwise, then you have an idea of how that affected you. And if it's over time, then that's a lot to deal with. And, yeah. And when I, when I get light like that, I'm not meaning to laugh. It's, it's a recognition of the scale of the issue that this is just such a hard thing to deal with. And there's so many people that could use better services. And so I, I echo, we're glad to hear Ashton talk about that. Yeah. I basically walked out of this press conference having watched all of it and just was like, good job, Ashton Kutcher. Like, <laughs> I am I am very pleased and happy. We'll move on to our next Ashton section, mm -hmm. which I will start right now. My fourth and final recommendation is the bifurcation of sex trafficking and labor trafficking. They're both aberrations. They're both awful. They're both slavery, and they're both punitive, in fact. But the solution sets are highly differentiated. When you look at sex trafficking, a victim is most often present at the incident of commerce. And, and this, this provides an opportunity for, for drastic intervention. Whereas in labor trafficking, the victims are being hidden behind the manufacturers and the merchandisers. And it requires an entirely different set of legislation and proactivity and enforcement in order to shut it down. Now, there's a lot of rhetoric that's going on in the world right now about job creation in the United States. Well, if we want to create jobs in the United States, I would ask you to consider eliminating slavery from the pipelines of corporations. Okay. One of our big concerns, and it's a very, very big concern of mine, is labor trafficking. And it's partially yes. because it does not get the attention it needs and because it's complicated to investigate and prosecute and so people can do it with impunity. I once heard that from somebody in law enforcement that labor trafficking often happens with impunity. So I'll, I'll read his beginning again. So my fourth and final recommendation is the bifurcation or separation of sex trafficking and labor trafficking. They're both aberrations. They're both awful. They're both slavery. Yes. I, I'm really excited about the solution sets being highly differentiated. The acceptive... I'm, I'm really happy that there's sort of this acceptance and this awareness that the solution sets are differentiated and that maybe they don't need to be, but that both require legislation and enforcement of the legislation to shut it down. And so I do like this idea of to eliminate slavery from the pipelines of corporations is to then eliminate labor trafficking which is equally awful to sex trafficking. The only thing that I find a little bit different 
about these two things is that when we were talking about labor and sex trafficking, we still have this tendency to talk about how because they're legally different, that they occur at separate times and to separate individuals. And what I think is far more likely, and we've seen at least play out, particularly when talking about people who are in people's homes, like domestic workers or uh, agricultural laborers, that what's more common is you have people who are in labor trafficking who are then open um, and vulnerable to being sexually assaulted. And then they are themselves sex trafficked while still also being labor trafficked. It's far more common for these two things to happen together. For example, we've seen a number of reports come out from women who are tomato pickers who say that it's not uncommon for the foreman to say, well, if you want to continue to work, which you need to do in order to get your papers back, you need to also have sex with me and have sex with my friends. We also see that we'll maybe have domestic workers who are being sexually assaulted and beaten. And the thing is, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to say that the foreman has been sexually harming you and making you perform sexual acts as well as beating you and making you work in the construction industry? So I think sort of this awareness that these two things are not clear cut because the human experience is not clear cut would be helpful. So the main thing I wanted to draw out of this part, corporations have to be involved how much they can be involved, how they actually vet their supply chains, which is not necessarily easy. It can be expensive. The hard part is if a corporation tries that they can look one supplier down, one level down, and know what happens in between there, but their supplier and their supplier's supplier and their supplier's supplier may not have that value and may not have their government requiring that of them, may not spend the money on it. So vetting those supply chains is difficult. Further, not everything can come back here. We can't mine the minerals that are in many of these countries here because we don't have them here. So there, there are things necessarily that are going to be abroad in supply chains. So while recognizing that it's not necessarily simple, we need cooperation between governments and corporations and consumers to keep moving forward to try to eliminate as much slavery as possible from the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And just that Ashton mentioned supply chains is why I'm sharing this clip. I'm also going to move on to the other speaker that day which is uh, Alisa Massimino of Human Rights First, the president and CEO. She had equal weight at this presentation and said many good things. Uh, she said something uh, similar and longer about connecting refugees and human trafficking. What I am going to share, though, relates to what Ashton said about supply chains and builds on it. The public-private partnership aspect of this, I think, is absolutely key. You know, there's a lot that government can do and should be doing, um, that all governments uh, globally should be doing and, and collaborating together on this. But as Ashton pointed out, the supply chain issue, the, 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 the pipeline into slavery, we have to be looking at that. And so I would say the public, there, there should be kind of three Ps in this uh, public-private partnership. It should be... Uh, um, 
also the, the private sector companies, American companies in particular. You know, when I talk about American leadership on this issue, I don't just mean the American government. I mean all of us. And, and in many places in the world, American companies are the American brand. So making sure that we enlist uh, those companies, especially now, now that uh, you all have, have passed uh, legislation that amends the Tariff Act, which for decades allowed for this importation of child-made and slave-made labor through this consumptive demand loophole that was in existence, you have closed that loophole down. And that is a potentially transformational thing in the world of human trafficking. Now we have to make sure that it's enforced, that the Department of Homeland Security enforces it, that companies understand what they need to do. And most companies don't want anything to do with, with slavery. Um, but many of them don't understand what they need to do uh, to look at their supply chains and make sure that there's no forced labor in there or no child labor. So we have to come together to talk about that. And one of the things that you all could do um, a report was due to you from the Department of Homeland Security, I think back in August, on how they're implementing this very important new provision uh, that you passed, and it hasn't, it hasn't been submitted yet. So I would urge you to ask for that, um, and we would love to come in and talk with you about it. All right, Alyssa Massimino. So to recap things that she talked about, the importance of public-private partnership, that private sector companies need to be a part of this. And a very important point here that part of American leadership is in companies and corporations and that in many ways they are the American brand broad. That people will see America through a brand. They will perceive America through what that corporation is doing just like they do the Peace Corps. American Corporation. So what they do matters in that respect as far as international relations. The Tariff Act, which we've talked about before, that uh, that's now closed and that it needs properly reported on and enforced. Enforced. That's the thing with laws. For instance, there are the people that will talk about perceived failings in immigration enforcement. Okay. Understood. Well... We have laws against trafficking. We have laws like the Tariff Act that are there. We have laws about federal acquisitions and companies needing to make effort on their supply chains if they want to be a federal supplier. Just because those laws are there doesn't mean that they're enforced. And I can state unequivocally our anti-sex trafficking and anti-forced labor laws are not adequately enforced, period. There's no big campaign here about let's redouble our efforts internally to remove the scourge of human trafficking within our country. I know people care, but it takes resources, just like it takes resources to secure the border and for other things. And being in this space, there is a gap here. So again, it's great to hear Ashton Kutcher and Elisa Massimino and have them state this in front of a Senate committee. JJ, thoughts? I don't really have anything in particular to add other than I'm just so excited to see this start sort of starts the human trafficking deal, shall we say, or sort of just the conception of it, starting to see it play out on a national stage is really exciting. 
We're just very encouraged to see everything that was said at this committee and to realize that parts of our government are very committed to this and are educating themselves and are passing laws and really want to enforce those laws. There's also an effort here to make sure that the tip report continues to improve. And Bob Menendez, who is a Democrat, co-introduced legislation with Marco Rubio and others to, quote, restore the integrity to the tip report, to remove preferential treatment to countries with, with funding for tier three. And Elisa Massimino echoed that the reports haven't been perfect in the past, although in her opinion, they had started to get better before the last couple years. But just to restate, it's been a problem across administrations. And if they can make the tip report more transparent, if they can make it more accurate, I'm all for that. There's always the realist part of me that will take what I can get. But senators, if you can make this happen, you have my support. I think you have everyone's support in the human trafficking field. So again, there are some encouraging things and there are some people in government that uh, we're going to do what we can to support. And if you get a chance, please communicate with Bob Corker and the other senators that we've mentioned and tell them they're doing a good job in this issue and to please keep doing more. Yay! Well, with that, we'll wrap for today and we will see what the next week brings us. Hopefully it's good. All right, keep fighting the good fight. Bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. This has been Speaker for the Living. For extended notes and sources, visit our website at speakerfortheliving.com.